to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. I'm Karen Wright Marsh, and this is the place to find beautiful and broken companions for your everyday pilgrimage. Do you wonder if Christian faith can be truly lived in today's complex and changing world? Well, here you'll meet embodied witnesses, Christians from different eras and different cultures. They're people we sometimes call saints, but they were sinners just like you and me. Today, I'm here to tell you the story of Howard Thurman with pastor, scholar of American religion and culture, and president of Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, Alton B. Pollard III. And I'm happy you're here with us. surveyed the landscape of race in America, Howard Thurman had no illusions about quick fixes and easy reconciliations. Born in 1899, Howard was the grandson of enslaved persons and a child of scarcity. But Howard Thurman was a dreamer from the start. Though segregated Daytona Beach, where public school ended at seventh grade, promised nothing to a poor African-American boy. Still, Howard's grandmother, Nancy Ambrose, insisted that Thurman excel in his education. When young Howard left home to attend the high school 100 miles away, his grandmother sent him off with these words, Look up always, down never. Look forward always, backwards never. And remember, everything you get, you have to work for. And after he'd become renowned as a philosopher, preacher, and public leader, and he traveled as far as San Francisco, Boston, and even India, Howard would say that he'd learned more about the genius of the religion of Jesus from his grandmother than from all the professors who'd instructed him in academic theology. Howard Thurman's grandmother truly lived and moved from a center of deep personal Christianity. She knew that social questions and the search for truth begin with the seeker's own story. She inspired Howard to ask this question, how can I believe that life has meaning if I do not believe that my own life has meaning? Howard would discover more of that meaning on a trip to India in 1935. At the time, India was still a British colony. Howard and his wife, Sue Thurman, were leaders of the first delegation of African Americans to Southeast Asia, where they were asked to speak in defense of Christianity. To Hindu people who rejected a church that reinforced social and racial inequality in America, Howard insisted that the prejudices of cultural Christianity are far different from the inclusive love of what he called the religion of Jesus. The religion of Jesus is between a person and God. It is a transformative encounter with God that touches all of one's life, 
The high point of Howard's trip was a conversation with Mahatma Gandhi, and it was a discussion that would alter the very political and social future of the United States. Gandhi, the leader of Indian independence, was eager to know more about this religion of Jesus from his African-American visitor. Howard, for his part, was captivated by his new friend's commitment to radical nonviolence, that creative moral force rooted in the personal spiritual development of love that holds the promise of genuine social change. Compelled by the nonviolent methods of India's struggle for independence, Howard returned to the United States dedicated to racial reconciliation. In his landmark book, Jesus and the Disinherited, Thurman asks, What is the word of the religion of Jesus to those who stand with their backs against the wall? That same Jesus who lived as a poor man, who suffered under Roman tyranny, declares power for the disinherited today, Howard wrote. Oppressed people can claim their own power by refraining from hate. When people exercise their freedom to love, they demonstrate a strength that no enemy can ever take away. Howard's teaching on creative nonviolence became realized in concrete political action. America was altered forever. Thurman's words would be a source of strength for Martin Luther King Jr. during the Montgomery bus boycott. As dean of the chapel at Boston University, Howard Thurman gained a national audience speaking weekly on television. He was named one of Life Magazine's 12 Great Preachers of the 20th Century. In 1944, he left a secure academic job to establish the first racially integrated multicultural congregation in America. Would Christian faith overcome society's imposed walls between believers? As a pastor, a spiritual pioneer of the American civil rights movement, Howard insisted that we humans always have hope, even in the midst of the most barren circumstances, that God created us for unity and community, that beneath violence, fear, and power, there is an undeniable elemental human desire to understand others and to be understood by others. Howard never gave up on the Jesus idea of reconciliation, a racial healing that begins with individual spiritual transformation. Before nonviolence can take hold as an instrument of large-scale social change, he said, Love must open the door of the heart within each of us. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is the audio companion to my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners, 25 Christians Who Transformed My Faith. To learn more, visit my website, karenwrightmarsh.com. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes and invite your friends to join us. Now for my conversation about Howard Thurman with Alton B. Pollard III.
It is a great pleasure to welcome the Reverend Dr. Alton B. Pollard III to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. Dr. Pollard is a national scholar, author, and speaker. Dr. Pollard has combined his scholarly and pastoral skills since he's taken on the role of president of Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Among Dr. Pollard's publications are his books, Mysticism and Social Change, The Social Witness of Howard Thurman, and a new edition of W.E. Du Bois' The Negro Church. Alton, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It is good to be with you, Karen. Thank you. Well, Alton, you and I met at a conference about Howard Thurman, and I learned so much from you those two days. I'm really grateful that I'm able to revisit some of your insights today. And so let me start with this question. For someone who is unfamiliar with Howard Thurman, what would you want them to know? I would want people to know that Howard Thurman is a rarity in our world. He practiced what he believed. And what he believed was that every human being matters. And not only that every human being matters, but that all of life matters. And so he was very intentional um, from his engagement with the river and the trees and people of diverse ethnic and religious backgrounds to the person that attended his church who washed the clothing of someone else Mm. or the professor who was a member of the church. To him, everybody began with the same baseline. And in the vein, I think, of Genesis, he saw that it was good. Mm. And when I first read, Karen, when I first read about Thurman, I was coming out of a very stressful period of of life, a period where I had come to pretty much assume that there could be no such thing as a good white person. Mm. And then uh, I read Jesus and the Disinherited, my first semester in college, and uh, it turned my world upside down because even though I had come to this particular place in my personal existence, there was this nagging, (laughs) this nagging suspicion underneath all of that, that there was still more to life than met the eye. And whether I was willing to acknowledge it or not was was really the uh, the question. Well, and let's talk about Jesus and the Disinherited. So what did you hear in that book as a freshman in college? Well, what I heard in Jesus and the Disinherited was that, one, Jesus did have a, a freeing and emancipating message for persons who live with their backs against the wall. In, in his particular case, he was talking about Black Americans, people of African descent in the United States. And he was saying this message, writing this message at a time when it was not only not popular to say it, but hardly anyone was saying it. 
Jesus and Disinherited came out in the late 1940s, and we had not yet come to Brown versus Board of Education in our society. Uh, the military was still uh, undergoing uh, serious racial stress. Uh, we were coming through a period where we literally have concentration camps in our own society, particularly out West uh, for persons of uh, Japanese descent and on and on. And he comes out with this book that I read decades later that uh, seems as if it had just been written uh, the day before I read it. And what Jesus the Disinherited really said was that all people really do have a place in the cosmos. And just because the church is unable to either articulate that or to practice it, and just because the social order is unable to articulate it or practice it, doesn't mean that you have to believe it, mm. um, that we are all children of the living God. And it begins with in a place of particularity. If you would have a universal embrace of the human condition, you must begin with having a profound sense of the particularity of your own. And uh, as a person of African descent, or as Thurman would say, um, the timeless issues of life must be met with uh, my own Black skin, the very fact of my own Black skin when you combine those two. This was the message that um, had profound resonance for me that spoke so deeply and I think has continued to speak through the, the decades now for several generations. And the message that uh, for some reason, uh, the church, which is supposed to espouse that God is no respecter of color and yet and still has had such profound difficulty with being able to show that in all of its ecclesial life is, I think, the tragedy that Thurman wants to not only bemoan, but also wants to declare does not have the last word. And that's what Jesus and Disinherited does. It uh, reminds all of us who find ourselves in dire straits that the human predicament, the human proclivity to quarantine and to send people away and to divide and demean does not have the last word over you. God does. It behooves us to seek to find ways to practice it in ways that church and society cannot. And then he goes on and gives us, I think, very concrete examples of that in his own ministries and life ways that are life-affirming. I find it so powerful for people who have rejected the church, rejected Christianity, to hold up his distinction between Christianity and the religion of Jesus. And I'm interested to know what you think Howard Thurman would say to activists who are on the front lines with Black Lives Matter or other social movements right now. What can he add to their understanding? I think that Howard Thurman would say to persons who are on the front lines, as you put it, to carry on, to continue to be activists. And in the process, make sure that you are tending to the embers of your own soul, that you do not allow the 
movement of the day, this particular moment to exhaust or to consume the burning passions within so that you will be able to not only withstand in the present moment, but you will be able to continue through the years to have the reserves, the strength, the resources that you need to continue to fight the good fight. I think Thurman was always very clear about that. He was, he did not consider himself to be the type of person who would be outwardly engaged in public uh, remonstrations and the like, but he always availed himself to others to give them the courage, the wherewithal, the strength to be able to go on. And until his passing in 1981, um, people were making their way to his doorway. And not only Black Americans, but uh, people of all stripes uh, were finding that uh, there was this quiet reserve in this man that would provide fuel for for them, grist for their meal. And uh, we have seen countless studies that talk about how after a movement has ended, people are often burned out and they have nothing left and their lives become either aimless or they become broken. Um, and I think this is why Thurman was uh, so wise in reminding us to always continue to take up the struggle and in taking up the struggle, make sure that you keep the home fires burning. Mm -hmm. It's such a great reminder that we all have our role to play and it doesn't always look the same for, from one person to the next, you know, that his quiet reserve, his scholarly preaching just added so much to other people who were using their gifts in other ways. Well, Alton, in 1944, we know that Howard Thurman founded the Church of the Fellowship of All Peoples, which was described as the nation's first interracial interfaith community. I wonder from where you sit as the leader of a seminary, if you think there is a place for such a community today. Karen, not only is there a place for such a community today, it is imperative that we have such a witness modeled for us. We are engaged in the midst of the current movement precisely because people are longing for a society that actually takes seriously the humanity, the utter humanity of each and every one of us, that believes that there is something good and worthwhile in all of us, that does not rank us or create new hierarchies of distinction among us. And what the Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples did was to demonstrate that this is indeed a model that can take place. And I think it is safe to say it is terribly difficult to do so unless you operate with the kind of nerve center that Thurman and the members of that congregation had at their disposal. I should mention that Thurman co-founded the church along with Professor Alfred Fisk, who many people may not know was not only a Presbyterian minister in San Francisco, but was a professor of uh, philosophy. He was, uh, what well, was, Caucasian and uh, extended an invitation 
to Thurman, who was still on the faculty at Howard University, to consider this novel experiment. And they came together. And I say that only because in the Presbyterian world, it is so often forgotten that this is a, a building block upon which we can, I think, all continue to learn much from, to gain from. Well, thank you so much for all the ways that you lift up the life and the witness of Howard Thurman. Alton, I see so many similarities between the two of you. You're a scholar, a preacher, a pastor, a visionary. So I, for one, am so thankful for for your presence in the world right now to show us the way towards this um, incredible religion of Jesus lived out in the most beautiful ways. So thank you for spending this time with me today. Thank you, Karen. There's nothing better for me than the religion of Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Both Howard Thurman and Alton B. Pollard III inspire me. Each is a Christian who lives out of profound theological insight, an intimate relationship with God, and a generous compassion for others. I hope that I can live more like them, deeply in touch with the love that is at the heart of all creation. Karen Wright Marsh, the Executive Director of Theological Horizons, a ministry based in Charlottesville at the University of Virginia. I'd love to hear from you. Come by my website, karenwrightmarsh.com. There you'll find show notes and learn about my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners. Download free printable study guides for your small group or just for yourself and keep the conversation going. Thanks to the generosity of the Lloyd and Vivian Noble Foundation and to the Friends of Theological Horizons. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang. Our music is by Will Marsh of Gold Connections.